You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Paul, the Apostle Paul, probably heard of him. He's basically the most famous Christian of all time, okay? Um, the outside of Jesus Christ, probably the most important uh, human um, in Christianity. The Apostle Paul wrote two-thirds of, of the books in the New Testament, kind of a big deal, okay? Now, he wasn't always Paul the Apostle. The first part of his life, he was a really, 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 really bad guy. And in Philippians 3, he, he, he tells us that he was a Pharisee. He called himself a Hebrew of Hebrews, the most zealous Pharisee that ever was. And the Pharisees were this group of incredibly religious, zealous, pious uh, keepers of Jewish law, but they had missed it. They didn't understand. And Jesus actually called them whitewashed tombs, that they had all of the external things figured out, but were, were dark and ugly on the inside. And so that was Paul. And Paul spent his time persecuting Christians. Okay? Paul held the coats of the men that stoned Stephen to death. The very first Christian martyr was Stephen in Acts chapter 7, I think. Okay? And Paul, it says that Paul delighted in it. That as this man had stones pelted into him until he died, it made Paul happy. You're in a dark place if that's where you're at, okay? Okay, so that's Paul, and he's persecuting Christians. And then Acts chapter 9, he's on his way to Damascus because he has letters from the high priest that give him the authority to find Christians and bring them bound, men and women, back to Jerusalem so that they can stand trial and be further persecuted. And these weren't orders, okay? It wasn't like he was just given orders and was like, well, I guess I have to. It actually says that he requested these papers from the high priest. It gave him great joy to, to go around persecuting Christian. So he's on his way to Damascus, which is the capital of Syria, and then he has a supernatural encounter with the resurrected Jesus Christ. Okay? Now the story's in Acts chapter 9, but he actually retells the story in Acts chapter 26, and that's where uh, we're going to read from. So Acts 26, verse 14, it should be on the screen behind me. It says, and when we had fallen to the ground, so Paul and, and the guys he are with are on their way, and it says, the verse before, that a bright light shines, and it was midday. It says that it was midday, so high noon, and it says a light shone so bright that they were knocked to the ground. Okay, it wasn't like it was dark and their eyes hadn't adjusted. This light was so bright that in the middle of the noonday sun, it knocks them to the ground, okay? And then... He hears a voice speaking, saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I read that as I was prepping for this message, and that phrase, it is hard for you to kick against the goads, has haunted me in a good way for the last several days. And I know that it's a word in season for our campus. It's a word for you, it's a word for me. And so you may be saying, awesome, what does it mean? Well, I didn't know either, okay? So I was like, what is a goad? And I had to Google, you know, what is a goad? And I learned, and since, I've, since then it has just stuck with me and I've been researching this one sentence. I've read commentaries and different translations. I read an entire essay by Charles Spurgeon on what it means to kick against the goads. So the title of my message today is Kicking Against the Goads. 
And I really wonder what the media team put together. Okay, I got it. Okay, cool. I'm sure they were like, what is a goad? Anyway, so let me explain what it means, and then we will uh, we'll take it from there. So it's an illustration that Jesus is using, and it's actually an illustration of a farmer and an ox, okay? A goad is a long, sharp stick with a blunt end on one end and then a sharp, pointy tip with a little uh, sharp piece of iron at the end. And it's almost like a spur. You know, cowboys wear spurs and they give the horse a little kick and gets it to go. Uh, a farmer, when he is, you know, tilling the soil or plowing the field, has a goad and he prods the ox to go forward. And sometimes the ox will get really frustrated because he, I mean, just like every other creature on earth, doesn't like being poked in the butt by a metal stick, okay? And so sometimes they'll get really frustrated and they'll kick back. But when they kick back, all they do is drive the metal tip into their leg, hurting them more. And so Jesus is saying, Paul, it is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I believe it is a word for us on this Shredder Sunday. And so there's three things, and this is going to be super short. I want to leave plenty of time for just a God encounter today. Three things that we get from this one sentence, okay? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. We see Paul's purpose, we see Paul's pushback, and we see Jesus's passion, okay? Purpose, pushback, passion. Triple P. Come on, here we go. Point one, purpose. So this illustration that Jesus, and this is Jesus speaking, okay? Jesus himself said, Paul, it is hard for you to kick against the goads. And the implication is that there is a purpose for Paul. An ox does something for the farmer. It has a job to do, a mission. That's the illustration. At the foundation of this illustration is that Jesus is saying, Paul, I have something for you to do, something important. And we know from Acts chapter nine exactly what it is. So after in Acts chapter nine, it tells the same story, Paul's uh, conversion on the road to Damascus. Then God goes and speaks to a man named Ananias. And he says, Ananias, I am sending to you a man named Paul. Will you pray for him and take care of him? And Ananias is like, well, hold on, Lord. I am a Christian. In case you didn't know, I know you're very busy. You got a universe to run. Very, very easy to have little oversights. I understand, not your fault, but I am a Christian. And this guy, Paul, is persecuting us. And then what God says back to Ananias in Acts chapter 9, 15, he's, God says, he, Paul, is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. God had a plan for Paul, a calling for Paul, a mission, a purpose. Now, this is not the first time that Jesus uses an illustration of an ox for us. In Luke 11, 28 through 30, it's going to be on the screen, and this is a very famous verse. You've probably heard it before. Jesus speaking says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now, I'm not a farmer like Rudy. You may not know what a yoke is. Well, I'll tell you, the, a yoke is what goes on the neck of the ox so that as it pulls, you know, it transfers the force from the ox to whatever he's pulling, and that's how he moves stuff. That's what a yoke is. So Jesus says, my, uh, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus did not say, Come to me and I will remove your yoke. 
He's saying, you have a yoke, but I will give you a different one that is light, that is, that is easy. Now that word, that translation easy is kind of not very good, okay? Now in, as you guys probably know, like in, in we got a lot of Spanish speakers in here, so like the word tocayo, right? Like in English, we don't have that word at all. There is no translation. So if you're a white guy like me, tocayo means, like if, if my name is Mike and somebody else in here is Mike, then me and you, we're tocayos, okay? We have the same, we're the same name, okay? We don't have that in English. We just say, cool, bro, we have the same first name. So there's not a direct translation from Spanish to English for tocayo, right? Same kind of thing. In Greek, there's this word that is translated in your Bible as my yoke is easy, it's a really complicated word, and, and it's just easy isn't quite it, but it kind of is, right? So we, there's some insights. Early on in um, Jesus' ministry, Luke chapter 5, he tells a parable about old wine going into new wineskins. Probably heard it. Um, but at the very end of this parable, he says in Luke 5, verse 39, um, it says, And no one, after drinking old wine, desires the new, for he says, the old wine is better or good in some translations. And that Greek word good or better is actually the exact same Greek word that Jesus used when he says my yoke is easy. Easy, better, that's the exact same Greek word. So in context of Jesus's parable, any wine drinker in here knows that old wine is better. And it's not just better, it's more rich. It's more complex. It's more flavorful. And so what Jesus is saying is take my yoke upon you and when you follow me, when you are in my service, your life will be rich. It will be complex. It will be adventurous. So that's what he's saying when he says, my, take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Jordan Peterson, a really famous clinical psychologist says, the truth of the matter is that the meaning that will sustain you through life is to be found in the adoption of responsibility. And the heavier the responsibility you are willing to adopt, the more richly meaningful your life will be. So as many of you know, uh, Katie and I took over as the campus pastors of this church on January 5th of 2020. Almost a year ago, feels like a decade, not because of you guys, but uh, it's been a journey to say the least. And, and if you're new here, so the campus pastors before us, pastors Drew and Emma Davies, left to go plant a church in Seattle, which is actually kind of cool because Pastor Stacy is not here because she's speaking as the very first guest speaker in the history of Hope Village Church up in Seattle. How sweet is that? Anyway, God bless Hope Village Church. But when, when uh, Katie and I took over this, this campus, it's been, it's been a crazy year, okay? And we, we, you know, everybody says that all the time now. Just, but for us, it's been, and not just because of the church, it's been my, my sister passed away um, in the middle of the year. We've had um, some, some rough things in business, everything going on with the church. And we have this unprecedented global pandemic to navigate as brand new campus pastors, like literally like six weeks in and it's like the world explodes. Then we have racial tension that our country hasn't seen since like the 1960s. Then we had an actual wave of real sickness come through our church. We've had media attention. We've, and it's, it's been a lot. And I had a friend um, say to us, just kind of in passing casually, oh man, I wouldn't, wouldn't want to trade places with you for anything in the world. Wouldn't want to walk a mile in your shoes. But I want you to listen to me. And this friend just doesn't get it because the, 
meaning and the richness that Katie and I feel because of the yoke that we've been willing to put on is more than anything I could ever imagine. It's greater than anything in the world. The more responsibility that you are willing to adopt, the more you are willing to say yes to God. See, a lot of people view following God as a zero-sum game, okay? A zero-sum game is like chess or checkers. There's a winner and there's a loser, right? It's kind of like negative one, positive one, make zero. That's a zero sum game. A lot of people view like the economy, for example, as a massive zero sum game with lots of, lots of players, meaning if I'm going to have more, someone else has to have less, which is not true. A lot of people view following God as a zero sum game, and it's not. A lot of people believe that if I say yes to God, I'm going to do all these things for him, but I'm going to miss out on all these other things. And that's not the way that it works. And I can tell you from personal experience, the more that we have said yes to God, the more that we have stepped out in faith, the more that we have let ourselves be uncomfortable, the greater our lives have become, the more rich, the more meaningful, and honestly, the more fun, the more fun we've had. Okay, and so Paul has this purpose that we see in this weird sentence, it is hard for you to kick against the goads. And then we, we know that there's pushback from Paul, hence the phrase, it is hard for you to kick against the goads. And so what Jesus is saying is, Paul, why are you resisting what I am trying to do? And I feel like the word for our campus is that we're gonna shred resistance. And what is it in your life that you are resisting God in? You know, there's, we've talked about it a lot. I know that for a lot of you, for us, for Katie and I, this pandemic and our response as a church and as pastors has caused friction with people in our life. Maybe it has for you as well and your family. And maybe you've said things to certain family members or they've said things to you that have been hurtful or what. And maybe you need to let that go today. Maybe you need to forgive, but you're resistant because they were wrong. And you're resistant and you're kicking back against the goads. And all it's doing is hurting you. Maybe, I don't know what it is. Maybe God is calling you to a deeper place in leadership at this church of serving this church and you've been resistant and, and Jesus is saying to you, why are you kicking back against the goads? I don't know, I don't know what it is for you. And here in just a few minutes, I'm going to close up really soon. Um, we're going to just spend some time worshiping and I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, where am I resistant to you? Maybe it's, maybe it's financially. Marco gave an amazing tithe message. Maybe there's parts of you that, and you know, money is such an interesting thing because people say things like, oh, it's just money. You know, I don't care about that. But it's like you, you do and you should. Okay. Because money is directly linked to your most precious resource, your time. Most of you probably, well, maybe not since COVID, but pre-COVID, most of you probably spent more time with your coworkers than you do your own kids. Okay? And so when people just say, ah, oh, money, whatever, it doesn't matter to me, it really should because it is a huge part of your life. It is directly tied to the most unrenewable resource in your world, which is your time. And that's why it's so hard for people to hear about money, to be talked to about money, to learn things about what God says about money, because deep down, you know, it represents a huge part of you. 
and, and to give it away, to, to release it to the Lord can be very, very difficult. I don't know what it is for you, but where are you, like Paul, kicking back against the goads as God is trying to direct you, to, to, to get you to, to move forward, to advance you, to take you somewhere, and you're resisting him. And lastly, as we close, I think it's so beautiful that Jesus says, it is hard for you to kick against the goats. And we just see Jesus's passion in that. You see, Paul is murdering the people of God, persecuting Jesus Christ himself. And when Jesus shows up and speaks to Paul, he doesn't say, you moron, get out of my way. He doesn't say, stop, you know, I am God, you peasant, get, you know. He says, Paul, it's hard for you. You're making it hard on yourself. Like Jesus Christ in this moment, speaking to Paul, the greatest persecutor of his people, his number one thought is for Paul. And that's the God that we serve. And I just want you to know that God loves you. He's not mad at you. He's not displeased with, with what you've done or haven't done in 2020 or the, you know, the father you, you, you should have been, could have been, the husband, the wife you could have been, should have been, whatever. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And just know that this man, Paul, was a really, really bad guy, had this encounter with God and became the greatest apostle to ever live. And it all started with an encounter with God. And so I'd love it if you just hop to your feet really quick. And the worship team is gonna just lead us in a song for just a few minutes, just a couple minutes. We'll bring the lights down just a little bit. And I want you to just spend some time. And actually, I don't even really want you to sing along. I want you to just be quiet and let the words of this song sink in. Let the voice of God come to you and ask yourself, where are the areas in my life where I'm kicking back? And just know that God is not prodding you so that he can leech every ounce of value out of you and, and move on. He has a destiny for you. It's, it is a, he is prodding you because where he is sending you is a great, great, great place filled with amazing promises, filled with meaning, with, with an adventure that is waiting for you as long as you don't kick back at what he's trying to do. So the team is gonna lead us um, in, in, in just a couple minutes of, of worship. And I want you to just take some time, maybe start to write down some things on your, your card, and then I'll come back here in just a couple minutes and walk us through the actual shredding. So take it away, team. The victory is yours. You're riding on the storm. Your name is unfailing. Though kingdoms rise and fall, your throne withstands them all. Your name is unshaken. The victory is yours. You're riding on the storm. Your name is unfailing. Though kingdoms rise and fall, your throne withstands them all. 
I started serving uh, on the, the worship team, actually. Um, this is back when we just had a central campus and a north campus, which are now our Balboa and Bressy Ranch campuses. And, um, and then actually was the music director here for the first two years we had the, the campus. But as um, I was serving on the team and it just kind of gotten started, I heard the Lord speak to me that I needed to be baptized. And it was something that I kicked back against and resisted so much. And to me, it was this this really weird thing of, of shame. Like, what are people gonna think? They're gonna think I'm like a brand new Christian. They're not gonna respect me. Here I am serving on a team, you know, up here on stage with, with all the, and then I'm gonna go and get baptized. Everyone's gonna be like, man, what a fan. Had all these really ridiculous, irrational thoughts going on about being baptized. And every time it would come around where, you know, you could register for it, I would, my heart would race and I would just, you, you, you know that feeling, right? Where you just, you know that you know that you know that God is speaking to you to do something. And then I just, I would chicken out, I wouldn't do it. And then it would, you know, the opportunity would kind of slip past. And it would come around again in another couple of months. And I would just, and for a year, I disobeyed God in this. And it's the simplest thing in the world, getting baptized. I mean, goodness, it wasn't like he's asking me to move to Madagascar or something like that. It's literally going underwater for half a second. And I remember, I think it was November of 2014, maybe, that it came back around. Water baptisms were happening at our church. And I heard 
the voice of God, not out loud, just in my spirit, so acutely and precisely. And he said, this is as far as we go until you follow me in this. I I can do nothing else with you if you will not follow me in this. And uh, I did, and it was very anticlimactic. It was just not a big deal. Just got water baptized and it was amazing. And the very next week is when a couple from Balboa took us out to lunch and asked us to be connect group leaders. And it was the beginning of our journey as leaders in this church. And I spent so much time kicking back, kicking back, resisting this prompting of God for no reason. But as soon as I just said, yes, it unlocked something over my life. And I know the same is gonna happen for us today. And so I'm gonna just kind of open up um, this area of the stage that at churches we call the altar, um, but it's just right up here. The shredders are gonna be turned on. I don't know if they're on or need to be turned on. I'm not really sure. Maybe I'll just speak to them and I'll turn on. And so uh, the worship team is gonna continue to, 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 um, to lead us in worship. Just take some time. Maybe you wanna pray with your spouse. Maybe you wanna spend some time praying before you come up. And then uh, you're gonna just walk up to these shredders and you're going to shred whatever you've written down on your paper. There's gonna be some folks from our prayer team around and they're gonna um, maybe just lay a hand on your shoulder and say like a 30 millisecond prayer. It's not gonna be some big, long five minute prophecy session. Um, They're just gonna just agree with you. But I wanna just go ahead and encourage you as we uh, open up um, this uh, this area. The worship team's gonna lead us. And listen, if you are in here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus at all and know that you need to make that decision today, there's a beautiful young lady over here named Desiree, if you could wave. Go see her. She wants to pray with you, wants to get you a Bible, a little book called Following Jesus. But come on, worship team, let's take it away and go ahead and make your way forward and let's shred. yours you're riding on the storm your name is unfailing though kingdoms rise and fall your throne withstands them all your name is unshaken you roll like 
God of revival, pour it out, pour it out. Every stronghold will crumble. I hear the chains hit the ground. Oh, God of revival, pour it out, pour it out. Amazing, amazing. Anybody feel a little different, feel a little lighter? In Jesus' name, come on. So proud of you. Hey, listen, have an amazing, amazing New Year's. 2021 is going to be amazing. I'm going to say a quick prayer over us. And again, if you still need to shred, feel free. We're going to have the team up here, but we'll go ahead and dismiss the service. God, I thank you for these beautiful men and women, God. And we declare that what was shredded today is indeed shredded, buried into the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered by you again. God, we thank you for your grace. God, we thank you that you forgive us. God, that you view us as sons and daughters, not as, as slaves to, to do your, your bidding as some weird cosmic killjoy, God, but you are our Father and we are your children. God, we thank you for what is going to be the most amazing, amazing, amazing 2021. We declare abundance, God. Your word says that your paths drip with abundance. We declare healing. Your word says that you are our healer, God. We declare joy, which is a fruit of the spirit, God. We declare there is going to be love in our lives, peace in our lives, in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said... Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.